This episode is supported by Mountain Guard. You know, secret of leadership is not about becoming the leader. It's about becoming yourself, right? Who am I? What do I believe? What do I bring? What do I want my legacy to be? You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Welcome to another episode from the fifth year of SAM's leadership development program, The Summit Series, where we have gathered a group of current and emerging industry leaders for four facilitated discussions on the industry's pressing issues. Over the course of the winter and spring, we will be sharing those conversations here on PodSAM and in the pages of SAM Magazine. On this episode, five of our mentors discuss values-driven leadership with our group of mentees. The mentors on this episode are Dee Byrne, President and COO of Palisades Tahoe, California, David Norton, CEO of Taos Ski Valley, New Mexico, Tara Schettinger, Vice President and General Manager of Crested Butte Mountain Resort, Colorado, Tim Foster, Chief of Mountain Operations at Sun Peaks, British Columbia, and Dan Fuller, President and General Manager of Bristol Mountain, New York. The facilitator for this discussion is Mark Gasta, Associate Director for the Masters of the Outdoor Recreation Economy Program at CU Boulder. The Summit Series is brought to you through the support of our longtime sponsor and partner, Mountain Guard. We'd like to extend our gratitude to Tim Barnhorst and his team, who have been tremendous supporters of education and leadership development in our industry. We'll start the conversation here with our facilitator, Mark Gasta. Wonderful. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Good to see some familiar faces as well. Uh, my name is Mark Gasta. Today, we're talking about values-driven leadership. I'll, I'll give you a little more about myself in a moment. But, you know, why are we talking about values-driven leadership? It's so important in your life. It's so important in your leadership, and it's so important in your organizational culture. And I'm going to try to just give you a little fodder for your discussion on all of those levels really briefly. Uh, Olivia asked me to just say a little bit about myself. I joke that I'm on my third career, first career military officer and pilot, second career uh, corporate HR and sustainability exec with my last job being 10 years at Vail Resorts as the chief human resources officer and the chief sustainability officer. And my third career is in academia and consulting. So uh, uh, as mentioned, I teach in the outdoor recreation economy program. I oversee that program. You can get, you can take a class. It's all online, by the way. You can take a class. You can get a graduate level certificate, or you can go all the way and get a full on master's degree. So check us out if you want to continue your education in any way. Um, You know, when we talk about values, we have to first talk about self-awareness, right? It all begins with self. I like this quote, if you don't know where you're going, every road gets you nowhere. And this is the situation a lot of us are in, where we end up with a life by default because we have no criteria to make decisions from. In organizations as well, you end up with a culture by default because we have no criteria that we say is important to us and we're making our decisions from. So when you're clear on who you are, what you believe, you're then able to live your life and lead in a way that is in alignment with your values. If you don't have this awareness, ultimately you'll have, you'll lead in a way and you'll live in a way that is ultimately by default. Same thing with a culture, right? 
if you don't put any effort into your organization's culture, you'll have a culture. It just may not be what you want. It'll be a culture by default. So as it starts with us, we need to be asking ourselves, who are we? What do we believe? What are we passionate about? What gives us energy? What are our strengths? What are our opportunities? And once we have the answers to these things, we can begin to make decisions in our life, decisions in our leadership that take us closer to our desired end state. Ultimately, it gives you a criteria to make decisions. Same thing with organizations. We'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But as it relates to us individually, when we live our life in alignment, we have greater fulfillment and meaning in life. We have expanded abilities. We, we're really clear on what we're good at. We're also really clear on you know, what we're not so good at. And we can focus on our strengths. Our strengths are what's going to make us incredible. Uh, our weaknesses, uh, we have to neutralize them so they don't drag us down, but they're never going to be our strengths, most likely. And it's being that vulnerable to say, hey, I'm really good in this space and I need help in this space. But when we're clear on it, we can begin to actively engage in charting our course to ultimately create our own reality. And as we lead, we show up authentically. We show up in a way in which others can see that we're being vulnerable, we're being authentic, we're bringing our strengths, we're asking for support and help uh, where we need it, resulting in trust. Ultimately, when we're aligned, it's not like pushing a rope uphill. We ultimately have more success because we're showing up we're bringing our best each and every day. Ultimately, that success gets or that impact gets noticed and we have greater and greater levels of success. I like this quote at the bottom. Before you can lead others, you must first lead yourself, right? It's all, we, we, can, we can pretend, but ultimately we have to first focus on us. This other quote, the focus of leadership moves outward from self to others and the organization and then to something larger as the challenges the leaders face become greater and more difficult. First, we have to say, well, you know, what do we believe so that we're, we live and lead in, in a way that's full of integrity? Um, you know, are we predictable? Are we consistent? Do we have open openness? Are we vulnerable? Do we know what we're competent in? And it goes all the way up. Then we can begin to interact with others. Then we can begin to work with teams and help people understand how they fit in, how we work together to achieve synergy. And then ultimately, we're trying to interface with the outside world. As our role increases, it becomes less and less internal and more and more external. But again, it starts internally. So values-driven leaders are not a replica of someone else. They're clear on who they are at four. It's no universal characteristics. We've all seen all types of people be very successful as leaders when they're showing up in a way that's authentic to them. They constantly work at understanding and further developing themselves. It's a journey, right? They have strong intrinsic motivations. They're not just doing it for the extrinsic rewards. They're passionate about the sport, sharing that experience with others, whatever their role, whatever their function is, they're passionate about doing that to the best of the ability for the guest experience, whatever the case may be, but strong intrinsic motivations. They're thinking about it long-term, right? Not just about how do I succeed today, but rather how do we build something over time? And they're devoted to a lifetime of realizing their potential, their team's potential, their organization's potential. And in order to do that, we have to constantly seek deeper and deeper understanding 
and purpose in our leadership. You know, secret of leadership is not about becoming the leader. It's about becoming yourself, right? Who am I? What do I believe? What do I bring? What do I want my legacy to be? So self-awareness is key. And ultimately, when you're able to define it, when you're able to make decisions based on it, you have the opportunity to live and lead in alignment, resulting in trust and ultimately even more success. The same idea applies to organizations. And strategy is where most organizations begin. But again, if you don't know where you're going, every road gets you nowhere. So first, the bigger why. Why do we exist? What are we here to achieve? What do we value? How are we going to treat one another? How do we want to be treated? How are we going to hold one another accountable? What's our vision? In order to achieve that mission, how are we? What is our product that's going to enable us to achieve that ultimate mission that we've defined. And then you can get into strategy, metrics, measurement. If you want to create alignment in your life, if you want to create alignment in your culture, if you want to create alignment in your organization, you have to go through these processes and get clear. And when you create that alignment, let me tell you, momentum builds momentum and it's powerful. So this is what values look like within an organization. I'm sure you're familiar with it. They're just a handful of guiding principles. They'll remain true regardless of what's happening in the external environment. The reality is your, 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 your strategy will change based on the external environment, but your values you stay true to. Um, you know, they're a small set of timeless guiding principles. We'll talk about how they guide you in a moment. They're, they require no external justification. They're yours. They're yours only. They have that intrinsic value that we talked about. They define what we stand for, and they should answer the question, how do we want to treat others, and how do we want to be treated ourselves? And most importantly, you know, they must be integrated into everything you do. More often than not, organizations, they, they define them. They put them on a wall. Nobody knows them. Nobody can tell you what they are. Well, then how do they guide behavior? if nobody knows them. So how do you integrate them into everything you do? How you hire, how you promote, how you reward, how you communicate, on and on and on. Once you integrate them into everything you do, that then creates culture by bringing them to life. So first, as leaders, we have to understand what we value. We then have to align those, find organizations that we're aligned with, we have to then create those behaviors to bring them to life, as we talked about. That becomes the culture that we're creating. And ultimately, we need to make sure we're designing the culture to create the performance we want to drive the organization's strategy. It is incredibly powerful when you create this alignment. And it takes a lot of work. You know, good change takes time. And this is not something that happens individually for us quickly or for our organizations. So that's your tee up. I'll give it back to Olivia and let you guys take it away from there. So let's start with a, a general, let's ask some of the mentors, you know, has your leadership style and your practice, your beliefs, have they been consistent throughout your career or have you evolved as you experienced the world? And um, maybe give us an example, you know, small or large where, you know, you, you may have changed that direction or something you experienced changed that that value proposition. And you were able to bring that into the um, the, the the leadership and the culture at your organization. So let's start with um, Dave Norton. You want to kick things off? 
Have you had it all figured out from the start? No, no, it's not figured out. We're still working on it. And uh, Mark, thank you for that lead in, as you would say. And it was funny. uh, I'm taking some notes here so I could kind of follow along. And the first word I wrote was alignment. And Mark really went into the alignment piece. And, And I can't say how important alignment is. Olivia, you ask, has your leadership style evolved over the years? And to me, it has evolved a little bit. And I haven't been in one resort for 20 or 30 or 40 years. I've, I've been in a series of locations. And to some extent, I feel like you, you got to build on some things that are inherent to the lo- location that you are. And, and that alignment in, in Vermont could be different than the alignment in Northern New Mexico, where you've got a really diverse, uh, diverse cultures here. And, and, and uh, so for me, yes, my, I think my leadership style has, has evolved over time, but I would say the one thing that has always been key is to look for that alignment. And we've got a lot of different tools that align us here. And I could get into that in a little while, but, uh, I would say, you know, times change. You know, I think a couple of years ago, you know, Black Lives Matter hit. And all of a sudden we had to realize, OK, how do we intertwine that with our values? And there's no question where we are on climate change right now. So I, I do think that you have to adapt lightly. Uh, you know, once you have those values, once you have that purpose figured out and we, we've had the same purpose and values here for almost five or six years, nothing has changed. So I think there's a consistency that, that that plays along with it, but there is some evolution over time. And I think over the last 20 or 30 years, definitely things that I've looked at, it has, has evolved as, as things in the greater world evolve. Great. Dan, how about, how about you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in terms of beliefs, uh, I don't think fundamentally our beliefs change, you know, as we go through life. I think kind of sometimes as we're, as we grow up into our early adulthood, I think we um, make those a little bit more solid and go forward. And I think those stay pretty much, con- you know, consistent throughout the years. I think the way we, um, <clears throat> maybe way we lead people might change. And I think that certainly goes with time. But um, I think that also varies with the uh, people that we spoke speak with too, is maybe somebody that we have, a great deal of uh, history with and is a seasoned veteran that's in our organization. I think we lead them a little bit differently and, and talk to them differently than maybe a person who's first time on your staff. And uh, with those people, maybe you're a little bit more direct, um, maybe a little bit more clear on the expectations where somebody that's more seasoned, you'd probably say you'd coach or you'd probably delegate a little bit more. Right. Tara, how about you? Have have you found yourself in your different roles? I like this topic a lot. And I would say that I don't think my values have changed. And I was one time told that I had very strong values and that those might get in my way one day of my own success. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but, um, But I think that that's one of the reasons why I've really enjoyed working for Bale Resorts for as long as I have. And then all the different roles that I've had here within IT and marketing and mountain operations. And and I would say that my leadership style is constantly evolving. I think it's something that I focus on every day 
when I get out. It's something that I'm constantly um, striving to be a better leader for my team. And as Dan was saying, different teams need different things at different times. And so that's what I'm constantly trying to search for is what does my, my team need from me today in whatever situation we have going on today or wherever we are in the season. Tim, how about you up at Sun Peaks and your, as you think of how you've changed as a leader? I'm going to pull the uh, Canadian card and uh, <laughs> say over time, I would say uh, learning to uh, mm-hmm. check the ego at the door and understanding what that really means. Um, you know, and I, I think until you do that, uh, the ability to actual self-reflect and uh, understand, you know, how how you impact others, how you impact yourself, how uh, the impacts you create, you know, through decisions that are made by the organization or in the organization, you know, all those things have to kind of tie back to the self-reflection piece in my mind that uh, when I look in the mirror and kind of, you know, am I happy with what I see and how I present? And I will agree with some of the other presenters that um, time has changed slightly. I think uh, the world has changed in a lot of ways. Um, Technology has advanced a lot of communication uh, characteristics uh, that uh, you know are changing for leaders and how leaders are able to present themselves in different formats and in different ways, and in particular for different age demographics. So, you know, but once again, in order to kind of you know understand that and have a, a greater view of it and and be able to put it into some kind of context where you can do meaningful things with it, it's um, you know going back to this self reflection and and understanding. Uh, you know, just where you stand with your own ego, so to speak. And Dee, how about you? You've worked for several different companies now in different roles. And how has your experience changed your leadership style? Or or maybe you've known who and where you want to be at all times? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'd like to think that I, I knew that, but, um, you know, making good decisions and getting good guidance along the way um, helped me to to land in this place. But I never really had a strong uh, vision of, of what or where I wanted to be. So in any case, uh, to, to not repeat what everybody else has, has already shared, because I, I subscribe to the same beliefs, I think that fundamentally my core values and beliefs have not changed. Um, I learned them as a child and uh, with a very uh, with a very strong uh, but quite frankly, in a, in a very strong Catholic family. And so the, the prayer of St. Francis was drilled in me, for instance. Uh, and, um, but certainly uh, as I have matured and, and grown uh, as a professional, as well as a, as a person, um, I have evolved a lot and um, continue to try to uh, uh, really gain the skill set of adjusting my style to fit another instead of expecting the company or the people, the team, the person to adapt toward to me. So kind of what Dave was hitting on to start with there is that especially coming from I cut my teeth in Colorado at uh, Vail and in Aspen and the culture out here in Northern California is very different. Um, so the first thing that I realized is that I needed to adapt to the people here and, and to really embrace learning uh, the difference in the culture here compared to what I'd come from. Um, in that process, it, it really it taught me a lot um, about, um, it was actually um, kind of 
ceiling or, or, or validating the idea of servant leadership as well. You know, we, we throw that uh, term around and, and uh, I really had to um, actually practice that when I moved out here instead of just think that I was doing it and, and practice that in order to, to build trust. Um, and then through that trust uh, comes the alignment and so on and so forth. So which enabled me essentially to, to facilitate uh, the work of others. And so um, definitely the style, my style has changed. I'm a, I'm a collaborator and a participate more of a Democrat, if you will, uh, participatory leadership, uh, I really value, but I've learned that I can't always act on that style and be effective. You know, as leaders, you know that the right authentic leadership that you bring, the the authentic culture that you can um, present at your organization can uh, be a rocket-fueled catalyst for, for growth. Um, so, what are some examples of the benefits of being a business? Um, if we get back to that values-driven culture and leadership that you can bring, you know, whether it's, you know, environmental or social and economic initiatives, what, what are the examples of the benefit of being um, an authentic culture and a values-driven organization? The, the business, um, the, the, you know, a catalyst for business growth. What are some examples of that? Tim? I think number one, defining and sticking to your values is going to be, you know, pretty, pretty key. A lot of commitment and resources uh, and finances at time to uh, to pull it all together. But I, I, I think the successes that you're going to get out of that is you, the potential is there for a culture that is, uh, is powerful. It's, it's growth orientated. It's uh, uh, idea generating. It's, you know, looking beyond um, the standard box, so to speak. And, and, and that's all driven by this power out of this, this value-based leadership. Um, if, if the value-based leadership isn't there, a lot of those things get closed off or boxed in and uh, don't get the uh, opportunity to be unwrapped, so to speak. And David, at Taos, um, how has the, the authentic culture that you've created there been a, a catalyst for business growth and what what in what ways specifically well I, I think that when everything is aligned you're removing friction and and you're moving efficiently forward and and uh, you know you have aligned goals but the the one key thing that we did here and I, I mentioned this last time we chatted is we decided in 2017 to become a B corporation and you know, B corporations like Patagonia or, or Ben and Jerry's are, are purpose-driven organizations that look at, at environment, social responsibility, economic contribution, philanthropy. And we didn't know really the impact of that decision. But once we made the decision, it became very clear what the values were. The values were really paying attention to our planet, paying attention to our people, paying attention to our community. Staff started to challenge us on occasion when things weren't going just right. And they, they started to really push us, which was excellent, right? They started to come up with their own ideas and saying, hey, what about, uh, we've got all this waste in the rental shop with all this packaging. How do, we, how do we eliminate that? Or how do we get more people out of their cars and onto the shuttle bus? How do we reduce the, our, our footprint on, on the transportation side? But you know, I, I don't know if that decision is right for every, every 
business, but the fact that we could build our core values out of the B Corp ethos, and that's what we call it, the B Corp ethos, everyone is then aligned. And right as we go through our, our hiring practice as well, and right now our hiring, uh, our, our talent pipeline is as full as, as it's ever been. And primarily, and our staff say this because our values are aligned with yours. And they're looking to work for a purpose-driven organization where their values are aligned. And during the interview process, it gives us the ability to say, if this doesn't feel right, you may want to work somewhere else. Like we're just not going to take anybody, but but we're, we're making sure we're hiring people that have got the same values. When everybody is aligned, things work so much easier. So, uh, and then you could push those business initiatives. Oh, yeah, you ask about the business initiatives. A lot of the business initiatives are put into place because if we if we drive a little bit more economically, we could do more environmentally. We can we could increase our living wage. We can work on pay equity. We could work on a lot of social responsibility issues. But there's your reason why. So uh, we we have completely latched onto this B Corp ethos. It, it sets our values, and you really get that strong uh, alignment. And and uh, in our case, it's really helped in in the recruiting front and having a team that is is really uh, talking about the same things. The next thing that happens is they start to receive the guests, and they're telling the guests the same exact thing. Hey, you should go check out our our geothermal well field in the in the beginner slope that heats and cools our new hotel. And then the guests are going home, and the guests value you start to have guests that are looking to align their values with your business. And, and, and you're just removing so much friction when everybody is is going the same direction. In the line, the theme. Throughout the conversation, our mentees were invited to share their questions with the mentors. This first question comes from Connor O'Sullivan of Stratton Mountain, Vermont. Really, what I was asking when reading over the four values, you know, I noted that humility paralleled really well uh, transparency. And with sustainable operations and mountain operations in general becoming, you know, a little more transparent as part of our business, you know, it takes a lot of vulnerability to, you know, show people where we've made mistakes in the past, what we're working towards and how we're going to get there. Um, but I was just hoping to get some examples from you just to talk about the positive outcomes of being transparent and identifying those values and the, pro- the programs you put in place to achieve them. Oh boy, we're starting about my resort team. When I got out here, we called it a 60-year-old startup. So it was privately held and it wasn't um, well taken care of in the, the, the last years of that ownership um, or last decades, I would say. Um, the team was under-resourced. It, I can go on and on. And the guests out here were basically very entitled and owned the mountain and didn't want to have, were not welcoming. So it was really an unwelcoming uh, resort. We worked hard to change that and, and build trust. There was a lack of trust between the, the company and the community, essentially. So I think part of why I got this role, quite frankly, is because we still have a lot of work to do in this space and I'm spending a, a tremendous amount of time um, doing that work. But it starts with transparency and it starts with admitting fault, admitting mistakes. And so if you go to our blog, for instance, we are, we're blogging once or twice a week and sharing the inside of the mountain operations and, what, and what's happening here, what's going on um, 
with the weather, with the operation, with construction, uh, we sh it, you name it, and um, we're not holding back. Some people don't like it. It's really interesting. Um, you get criticism on both sides, right? But we're erring on that side, again, really to, to show that our humility as an operator and also to, to build that trust because um, consistent with whatever's, what others have shared, it's really through, through that that it enables you to get work done, right? Um, what I've learned more than ever from the last couple of years, you know, coming out of COVID and everything that we're all dealing with, it's, it's really all about the team. We can't operate without the team. We can't, we can't um, accomplish any of our uh, business goals or initiatives without the team in place to do it. And so if in a values-driven organization, what I've also found is that you have to accept the values of others, right? And it creates a really dynamic um, conversation. And, and that's the way you get people on board is, is really by having the conversation instead of telling them, these are our values and, and, you, and you have to fit in. What are your values? And what's the, what's the, what's the benefit of both? And there are times, I, I agree, Dave, there are times some employees just you go find happiness elsewhere, right? Yeah. You're not going to be happy here. Go find it elsewhere. That's fine, you know? Um, but generally speaking, most people that come to us to work are cut of a of a cloth that that they can fit in somewhere in the organization. We're a very diverse, uh, complex, if you will, business. And so, in any case, I think that 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 values orientation helps to breed that that conversation. And um, and 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 really, it's what is the economic engine behind everything else is the people. Our next question comes from Charlotte Skinner, Midwest Family Ski Resorts. I um so I, I feel like personally at our resorts we've well one of them has done a really great job of building culture over the last few years and the other and one has had a, the three resorts you're with uh, Lutzen in Minnesota Granite Peak in Wausau Wisconsin and most recently Snow River Mountain Resort in um, Michigan and um, you know at Granite Peak we have brought in a new general manager and we've had a lot of it you know we had young energy in the hr area that's really built a lot of culture and mm -hmm. and created this team environment where people feel like they're part of something and you know that gives them a lot of meaning to their to their roles and what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis um Lutzen is more difficult because we it was always co-owned and so there was always two kind of flavors of leadership at the top um and so, you know, right now, as we're trying to think about how to fix the culture um, and really address some of the things that, you know, we've heard either through the community or through, you know, former employees, how do we get, you know, we can say, here's, you know, here are our vision, here are our values, and this is what it means. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of time spent on words that just live on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you get your, you know, I, I feel like the best way to have that that kind of stuff filter through the organization is to really have your middle level managers or the other leaders within the organization carry that through down to their employees and, and you know it's not just one person at the top saying this is what i value but it's you know you have a whole team full of people saying this is what we value and this is how it's um, applied to you know your job for example and so one idea that i was thinking about how to get 
those, get that communication flowing is to turn those high level, the mission statement or the high level values of the company into specific departmental or individual goals that could either be tied into reviews or into incentives. Um, and I was just wondering, is that you know something that people have done before? What are the thoughts on that? Are there other approaches? You know, how do you get that communication flowing? Yeah, I think those are all really. Um, it's a it's a great um, illustration, I think, of probably what a lot of us face, and um, I think that is a really good idea. The ideas that you have around building those into performance reviews. I would say that um, at Vail Resorts, we have our core competencies. Mark probably knows these quite well, um, but we have our core competencies and those are part of our performance evaluation. In fact, those are some of the most important things beyond the goals that we each have, but um, how we demonstrate those core, core leadership competencies is, um, is very heavily weighted in our uh, performance evaluations at the end of the year for all levels of managers and on up. And um, so I think that that's a really good one. Another one that I'm trying here because I think I'm, I'm, I'm finding that um, COVID didn't do us any favors in terms of building connections across different departments throughout the resort. And, um, and so trying to build back that culture of being one team as opposed to a bunch of separate teams is something that was one of the biggest surprises that I had when I came in to Crested Butte last year. And um, that's one surprise. The other surprise that I had was um, the disconnect between the resort and the community. So we're so small here. And so building back this concept of one team and, um, and the employee pride in the resort, as well as the community pride in the resort. Um, and so building a culture around that. So one of the things that we're doing is um, this year, each department we sort of have a general concept around winning the day every day, obviously operational excellence and sending everyone home safe every day. Um, but then by department, it means something different to each department and focusing on those things every day to win the day. But it's really around operational excellence and like being one team. Um, and then, yeah, and then trying to be um, in service to the community is the way that I'm trying to reach out and sort of build that culture with the community. Um, because if the community is proud to have the resort here, then employees will be proud to work here. And then we will be able to attract and retain the best talent in the Valley. Mark, you know, you, you are immersed in this topic in the program. So do you have anything to share um, with Charlotte's situation and, and just in general ways that you've seen that you can, it, it, the words don't live on a paper, they actually become part of the culture? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to say it again, this is hard, hard work, right? This doesn't happen overnight, but uh, it is the belief in the power of this and to, to take the long march that ultimately plays huge, pays huge dividends. So to the question in particular, you know, and it was said earlier, I think by Dave, you know, do it with them, not to them, right? <laughs> Meaning um, when you define the organization's values, if they're not well-defined or they need to be refreshed, 
you know, go to the organization and ask a representative group based on how we're showing up today. What are those things? And bring those back to the executive committee. And we may find things we like. We may find things we don't like. The things we like, let's embrace them. Those are the, the ties that bind throughout the organization. Things we don't like, maybe it's time to make some tweaks and make some uh, aspirational values as well. As someone else mentioned, uh, at Vail, we had we had six core values. We added one more recently. I'm not there anymore, obviously. But I totally agree. Agree, It's be inclusive, right, around this inclusivity goal. So once you define them, um, then you need to enlist the organization. Well, first of all, as I said earlier, you got to integrate them into everything the organization does if you want them to come to life. But then to create that alignment that we're talking about, remember that chart, right? People want to, and this was alluded to earlier too, they want to work for an organization they believe in. And then once they believe in that, so the why, the mission, once they believe in that, they want to know how they fit in. So we do have to go through the process of defining that mission and then defining how we're going to achieve that mission and then talking about what every function team operation needs to do in this next year to get there. And so it's just as important to decide what we are going to do because it's aligning with that desired end state as what we're not going to do. Because otherwise we chase shiny objects, right? We're all doing a, working really hard, but to what end? What's it all adding up to? So having to be very clear that, hey, you know what? We're going to prioritize these things because this is how you fit in and this is taking us closer to those desired end states and those goals that we set. I could go on forever around this because it's so complex, but that's, that's a quick uh, 10 cent version. Our next mentee speaker is Tyler Foreman, White Pass, Washington. Just thinking about times when you may realize that the core values of your organization aren't, aren't really being followed across the board, or maybe the organization feels like it's hit a point where it doesn't know what its core values are. Maybe it's evolved and not, done a good job of self, you know, self-analysis. You know, how did you, how do you, have you, have you experienced that and how have you approached dealing with that? Well, I, I think one of the things that, that we try to do is um, really approach it sooner than later and uh, try not to let it go too far down the road and try to address it right off the bat. And, um, you know, one of the things, I think all the things is obviously praise everybody in public. And, you know, if you do have something that you want to be constructive with, you know, talk to them privately. And I think, you know, um, it takes an awful lot of time. Um, but I think a lot of one-on-one -on -one really helps turn that around. Not easy either, too. And I, But I think, you know, if I was going to look, look at any of the keys, I would say try to hit it as soon as you can before it gets too far down the road. Our next question comes from Kelsey Rosen. Solitude Mountain Resort, Utah. Um, all right. So Mark mentioned uh, neutralizing weaknesses and the reading um, mentioned self-confidence and identifying your strengths and weaknesses, um, which I think, you know, it's really important uh, for mentioning, um, Mark mentioned the universal, um, how we all, one leader is not the same, which I thought was great because maybe as mentees, we're thinking, oh, I, I don't really fit the leadership style, but if it's universal, then we definitely have a chance. So can you name a time in your career where you realized a weakness in your abilities and how you tackled that weakness to neutralize it? 
And may I remind you, one of those core competencies was humility. So this is a good time for humility to be present in sharing some of your um, lessons learned along the way. I think probably young, uh, young Tim uh, back in the day probably didn't realize uh, how many people were watching uh, my actions, my how I handled myself, how I presented myself, and 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 how that actually affected um, their interpretation of me and my core values, what I stood for, um, and and it wasn't until I kind of it was brought to my attention maybe uh, at at one point in time um, by someone that I worked with that um, felt that you know, I should reconsider how I was handling myself in a certain situation. And so once again, checking the ego at the door, um, which I had to learn to do too, um, and self-reflecting, I realized, oh, okay, um, this is actually part of the leadership game. What your values are and how you position yourself um, have to come out in every aspect of of how you present yourself and how you um, speak with your team, uh, you know, the actions with your team, you know, how you uh, engage with them, how you engage with them both at work and away from work um, is also another key characteristic. So uh, it was a, a young t- a Tim's uh, learning opportunity. <laughs> so, uh, and it was um, you know, something that I've, it's resonated with me and continues to this day. So I'm going through this right now. So I'm actually taking a leadership training program and in this program there's two different assessments one is on leadership style and one is on leadership traits and they've they've gone and it's very very extensive I, I, I didn't realize how extensive this could be but very very extensive and I got the results back and they told me that I was a conceptual thinker and and very often you know you, you, there's vision and there's there's ideas that are pretty far out there and that, that it's likely that I lose people in my communication because I'm, I'm thinking conceptually and the people that are with me, they just want to know what to do. <laughs> and, and I often give a broad, a broad idea. Hey, here's the idea, assuming that people will understand, okay, if that's the idea there, I should then do this, but often they don't. So it's a it's a real learning that I'm practicing right now to maybe present the idea, but then start to get into some concrete steps of how somebody could deliver on that. Uh, it takes a lot of practice, and it takes a lot of uh, awareness, and, and we'll see if we'll see if it works. But it, uh, I'm dealing with that right now as we speak, and doing the best I can to be a little more concrete in the direction, very specific for those that need it and understanding when they need it, reading the room or reading, reading the individual to like, they, they got that little glazed look over. It's like, okay, obviously it's not getting through. Let me break this down and try to get a little bit more into the detail. Finally, let's hear from Julian D. Pascal from Ski Cooper in Colorado. So I think everybody here has, has touched on, self-reflection. Um, and I was wondering if you guys had specific tools that you use to self-reflect because, um, you know, I know the first step is just carving out that time and, and 
you know, setting aside a block of time to, to actually reflect, but are, are there specific tools that you've found really helpful in making sure that your actions align um, with the goals and the values of your companies? That was a really great question, Julian. Um, I know that I have tools that I use. Sometimes journaling will help me, but I would be lying to you if I said that I did that on a very regular basis. Um, but I will tell you that I self-reflect on every single conversation, almost sometimes to the point of ruminating. I'll drive an hour in my car and not even realize that the radio hasn't been on because what I'm doing is thinking about maybe what's transpired and whatever the last interaction was or what I want to see happen in, in the next interaction that I might be going towards. Um, uh, yeah, spending a lot of, lot of time just sort of reflecting um, is the way I do it. And then also constantly asking the people that I trust, like on my senior leadership team for feedback and um, uh, reinforcing how much I appreciate it when they are truly, truly honest with me and give me that uncomfortable radical candor if you will, um, that is the real feedback, right? That is intended for my own development, not just to, to placate me and, and how much I appreciate that when they give that to me. That would be my answer. I'm sorry, I don't have any deep tools for you. No, and I mean, I think David also pointed, you know, he's still taking, he's continuing to evolve his leadership. Sounds like you're trying to continue to educate yourself and inform yourself on, on being a good leader even now. So um, I think it's an ongoing and uh, evolving process to continue to hone those skills. You know, that the, the four traits of a value-driven leader are humility, self-confidence, balance, and self-reflection that we've been talking about. So um, Dee, what, would, what would be the most important as you kind of reflect of those four traits? They're all important, but what's the one that you continually find yourself um you know, thinking about the most between humility, self-confidence, balance, and self-reflection? What brings the most to your leadership? Um, one thing I wanted to add, Julian, on uh, what Tara said, um, in my self, I'm my worst critic, and I do the same thing. You know, I will, after this call, I will self-reflect and beat myself up for every moment that I wasn't articulate, so on and so forth. Uh, but what I've learned is that it's more effective if I think about, if I get out from out from inside my head and think about how I impacted others, then the learning that comes is just that much faster and more effective. So I, I'm trying to like pay attention right now to the impact that I'm having and um, thinking more about you folks than trying to worry less about my performance, right? Um, and then uh, on the on the four uh, attributes, boy, they're all uh, they're all interconnected. Um, at the place I am in my job, I'm, I'm really trying to work on the on the self confidence, um, trying to make sure that uh, I'm I'm uh, actually um, executing what what the role is, I guess. And um, um, what's that uh, oh, imposter syndrome? You know, try to yes. make sure I'm not living in the imposter syndrome. Um, that's a challenge for me, um, always has been. And so that and then the balance piece um, 
And the higher the higher you go up the food chain or the hierarchy, the, the more consequential the decisions are. And so um, I'm trying to be a little more, uh, or trying to be very balanced in how I, how I critically think uh, through a decision and um, knowing that those consequences can be great. Sounds like a constant evolution. So it's yeah. not that you get to this place and you have it all figured out. Um, it, it's a constant self-reflection. So, um, so um, you know, we're in these jobs where um, to the best of our intentions, you know, and a great mission statement and a, all the things in place and the words in the right places and, you know, you're meeting, you know, your, your team and you're listening to them. We still work in a world where just uh, the warp speed when the the snow guns turn on and, and just, you know, operations start and you just get into the day to day. So, you know, I was sort of thinking about because we have it here at Sam is just, you know, when you're when you're in the thick of it, you're just doing the job and you're not checking in on am I doing the you know the right thing by our mission statement and you're just trying to get things done so the question is how do you balance the immediate needs of of your team and your resort and 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 be committed to doing the right thing you know being an authentic leader and and being a values-driven corporation you know when you have very real sort of day-to-day operational things that tend to blow up on you daily in in what we do so um Dave, we'll, we'll start with you. Wow, that's a good question. I, to me, the the trust in the team is so important. And you talk about the day to day, and and you, your your team has to be able to deal with these things that blow up. And of course, you need to be there. One one of our mantras is run to the problem. If something happens, you all just run to the problem and figure it out. But I think, I think my role is to do the best I can to, to always take a step back. And look at the big picture. One of the things that Mark said very early on was, "What what's your roadmap?" And I think a leader has to be the one that takes a step back and look out up further on the horizon. If it could be six months, it could be twelve months, it could be two or three years, depending on what you're doing. It could be five years. So I think it's really yeah yeah we get sucked in and. We all pick up a shovel every now and then, and we we clear the tables, and that that's important. But but you really have to avoid getting too sucked in if you want to create good leadership with where because people are looking for direction. They want to know they're on the course. They want to know what the direction is, and I think it's the leader's job to ensure that you're taking that step back to make sure that that you're on that path. Dan, do you want to share a little bit about yeah, that? I, I think um, that's always t- very, very difficult to balance. And I think one of the um, things that's so important is really uh, looking at the time that you're spending and where you're spending it. And um, I think uh, the day-to-day operations, I, I don't know, I heard this probably at an NSA meeting, I don't know, decades ago. They talked about whack-a-mole. You know, in that game, you know, where you whack them all. And, uh, you know, that's the things that we do every day to take care of those things. And it's so important to step back. And Livy, it's kind of interesting is because when we first talked about today and this event, uh, this was an opportunity for me to get away from whacking them all every day and and start thinking about some other things. And I think that's so, so helpful because um in in my in my role right now is I spend 
so much time with organizations outside of our area in the community. And probably 25% of my time is spent in the community right now, which I think is good probably at, at my stage and uh, bringing up other people. But as uh, Dave said, is you've got to rely on your staff and you've got to be able to provide them the tools. And, it, and it's not just, you know, the resources, but it's allowing them the time to get the things done that they want to get done and uh, to be able to be there to support them because that's so important, especially when there is an issue that comes up. You know, we had one this afternoon just before this call. And, uh, you know, I'm going to help our mountain ops person, you know, re, you know, get this kind of fixed and, and resolved. And um, and I think sometimes there is some uh, pleasure or some when when you give them support that gives them the idea that, hey, there's somebody helping me with this. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. And, and I'm your whack-a-mole comment. And I'm reminded on the the first huddle we did when literally after that March closing weekend, we had Blaze Carrigan and we were all just, you know, everything blew up all our well-laid plans and and we had to kind of quickly figure out how to lead and, um, and be good to our people. And we had all these things going on and his advice was simply, and I keep thinking about it is don't end your day having run your tank empty. He said, end your day with some gas in the tank so that you can, you know, think clearly and, and approach the next day, you know, to support your team. And he said, don't, don't go crashing to the end of every day or else you can't bring to, to life um, some of the, the values that you want to, you want to bring with your team. So Mark, um, you've heard us all, we're kind of coming to a close here and I, I want to you've heard all the mentors um share you've heard the mentees question um can you impart some some final wisdom for us that um, can send us on our way and and or some things to think about you know and what you've heard today sure I'd be happy to um I'll say it again good change takes time right both for yourself and for uh, your organizations. But the key here is if we're intentional, both for ourselves and for our organizations, we can create the life, we can be the leader, we can create the type of culture we want to create. And a couple of questions I heard earlier, I'll just give a little tidbit on, you know, one, what if we're misaligned? Well, you know, do what you can where you're at. Show them versus tell them. If if you're struggling, as long as it's not moral or ethical, where you feel like you have to leave the organization, if you're struggling with the organization, show them versus tell them. Lead your team in a way that demonstrates the, the power and the value of alignment and engagement. And people will take notice and they'll say, what are you doing? And show us how to do it at a higher level. And then two, the question was asked about well, it's all about self-reflection, both as an organization and individual, what tools, resources, things like that. You know, it, it, you got to start by writing this stuff down, right? I mean, we can think it all we want, but to put it into action at the individual level, the organizational level, start by writing this stuff down. What, what are my values? And then based on that, what plan am I going to create that's going to allow me to live intentionally and consciously in a way in which I live into my values. So if I say family is important, but I work a hundred hours a week, I'm, I'm misaligned. So if I say family is important and I have three kids, which I do, 
you know, one of the things I used to do every year, I'd, I'd do another plan and I'd say, okay, what am I going to do this year for family? Well, one year I decided every month I was going to take each of my kids on a date. And so now when you start writing this down, you start putting it into action. Now I'm going to get it on my calendar. Now I'm going to ask my kids what they want to do. Now I'm going to make reservations. Now all of a sudden it's on my calendar. I have a reservation. I'm going to leave the office to get it done. So you begin creating your own reality. And that goes back to that question about how do we bring this to life within organizations? Same thing, you know, how do we all fit in? What is our role? What's the plan to get there? What are we prioritizing? What are we giving our resources to? What are we holding each other accountable to? Ultimately, you begin to move that needle forward and that momentum builds momentum. That wraps up our discussion on values-driven leadership. Thank you again to our mentors, mentees, facilitator, and our sponsor, Mountain Guard. Do you have someone on your team who could benefit from listening in? Do them a favor and share this podcast or check out the accompanying article in the March issue of SAM by subscribing at www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. We have more Summit Series episodes coming your way. Like, subscribe, and stay in touch at www.saminfo.com.